0: Welcome everybody to another edition of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am Hayden Grove, joined as always by our Cavaliers beat reporter Chris Fedor, and we unfortunately skipped a week. It has been crazy in the in my world and in Chris's world. Chris was Chris was on the uh, road last week with the Cavaliers, Browns in Ohio State, taking most of my time right now. But last night, finally, kind of a relaxing moment. Ohio State done. The Browns done for the for excuse me, for on their off day, not so much done. They're definitely right. not done. They are going to face the Kansas City Chiefs next weekend. But it was an off day for the Browns. So finally it was time to watch the Cavaliers. And instead like, we got to watch a uh, a skeleton squad yeah. at, at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. And uh, that is kind of where the Cavaliers are at right now. I mean, currently the Cavaliers um, in the 11th seed in the East – after what has been a it was a, it was a good start somewhat and then kind of lately with the injuries it just has not been so good so they're now 5 and 7 after a 117 to 87 loss to the uh, Utah Jazz last night the lineup last night uh, if you went to the game and i uh, apparently a lot of people went to the game last night i had a lot of friends yeah, yeah. who were there um last night starting lineup for the cavaliers um Osman Larry Nance Jr. JaVale McGee Isaac Okoro, and Damian Dotson and uh, on the bench, Yogi Ferrell, Lamar Stevens, Dean Wade, Marcus Bolden, and Don Maker. So, yep. um, if you don't recognize many of those names and you're new to the podcast, uh, the Cavaliers again just having an a, a litany of issues with their uh, injuries. So, Chris, we can start there. Um, first of all, we can start with with these injuries. I mean, who is going to be back soon? Who is kind of longer out? I mean, what what is the situation going on with all these injuries?
1: Well, I think it starts here, Hayden, and I think this is important to note. From the very start of this season, hell, for the last three years, basically, the Cavs have always taken a cautious approach when it comes to any injury to a significant contributor. Mm -hmm. Um, That's just the approach that they've always taken. They want to err on the side of caution, and they're going to continue to operate that same kind of way because they're not in championship or bust mode where they have to sacrifice some things. You know, this is no longer the LeBron James era. Um, this is the Cavs of year three of LeBron and they're going to look out for the health and well-being of Colin Sexton and Darius Garland and Dylan Windler and all these different dudes and hope that there isn't a setback. You know, they last year, if you remember, they tried bringing Dylan Windler back a few different times, And he kept having setbacks, and it turned into season-ending surgery. Yeah. They brought Kevin Love back early on this season. Um, They debated it back and forth, whether they were going to play him on the second game of a back-to-back against Philadelphia, if you remember. He came back the night before against the Detroit Pistons. J.B. Bickerstaff was wrecked over the decision of whether Kevin was going to play the next night against Philadelphia. He did because he wanted to. And because the medical staff cleared him, and then he left early in the game in the second quarter, and now he's out for probably till the end of this month, maybe even into February. You know what I mean? So they want to avoid those kinds of situations. Some of them are just unavoidable. They happen. But they want to do the best that they can to avoid those kinds of situations. Uh, That's what they did with Andre Drummond last night. Um, That's what they've done with Colin Sexton here in this stretch. That's what they're doing with Darius Garland. They're going to continue to take the cautious approach because when they've tried to push it in the past, it has bit them in the ass. Um, I think the closest one to returning Hayden, it's probably both Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. Um, Darius had an MRI revealed on January 6th, which was a week ago from today that said that he could miss up to a week with a sprained right shoulder. And today is obviously the week mark. And the next time that the Cavs play is Friday night at home against the New York Knicks. So we'll see if Darius is going to be in the lineup that night. Um, Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers, I just posted this a little bit ago on Twitter. Um, He suffered a sprained left shoulder, non-dominant, non-shooting hand, last February, actually against the Cavs, and in the middle of a playoff push, he missed 11 days and five games because of that injury. So this is about the same timeline that it's been for Darius, and if you think about it, you know, Friday makes sense, provided he recovers and he's good to go, and the medical staff feels like he can play and be effective. The last two nights before the game, Darius has been out on the court taking shots, um, working on his conditioning, running up and down the court. So to me, that's probably a positive sign. And with Colin, you know, he had an MRI yesterday because he's got continued soreness. I was told that there's nothing of concern on the MRI. There's nothing new on the MRI. It's just making sure that he's as close to 100 percent as possible when he comes back. And by the way, I talked to somebody really close to Colin Sexton, who said they were on board with the way that the Cavs have handled this ankle injury with Colin. And they want the Cavs to be cautious with him as well, to not put him in a vulnerable spot when he goes out there on the court, because we saw it Hayden when, when he injured it against Orlando and he tried playing in the second half and just fighting through it because that's how Colin is wired. He wasn't Mm -hmm. the same guy and the Cavs weren't the same team. So there's a difference between being healthy and being healthy, effective, and ready. And I think the Cavs want to meet all those criteria with um, these guys. And and with Andre Drummond, I don't think it's anything serious either. Um, the Cavs are going to practice Thursday afternoon. And there's um, a really good shot that Andre is back at practice tomorrow. Um, and he's back on the court on Friday. These are just like... For some of these things, they just happened at the wrong time, and they've piled up all at the same time.
0: Right. It seems like yeah. I mean, the Andre Drummond thing seemed like more of a just a kind of a semi rest, semi you know just you know take it a day thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, the Colin Sexton thing, you know, that was interesting to where they held him out of the get, that one game. I forget exactly which game it was where it, it, they they said he was going to play, and then right before yeah, it was the Memphis North, game. It made, was the the Memphis day game after nice. Orlando. So can you explain a little bit about, like, anything that you heard behind the scenes in regards to, like, what the the decision-making process was like during that game?
1: They just didn't feel like he was right. Um, So I was there in Memphis. I was watching Mm -hmm. him go through um, pregame warm-ups under the watchful eye of trainer Steve Spiro. And Spiro was putting Colin through a variety of different things. He was shooting, yes, but he was doing a lot of movement stuff. Defensive slides, back pedals. They brought out the band, so that there was some resistance to some of the the movements that Colin was making. And there was actually one point, Hayden, where Colin was going through these movements, and you could see the frustration. He pounded um, one of the little support things near the basket, and I I sensed that's because he couldn't make the movements the way that he wanted to make the movements. And his game is very much predicated on sharp movement, speed, quickness, athleticism, those kinds of things. Um, so everything that the Cavs put Colin through um, was to test that mobility and to see how effective he could be playing on the second game of back-to-back after spraining his ankle. Um, he appeared to get the green light And everything that I had heard was that he was ready to go. But as it got closer and closer to tip off, uh, the Cavs organizationally decided that Colin wasn't ready. And he still wasn't right enough to play that game in Memphis. And then he got scratched from the lineup. Um, It was a surprise to a lot of different people. But again, they wanted to protect Colin from himself in a lot of different ways. And the other night, I don't know what the hell happened, to be honest with you. The Cavs <laughs> had prepared all day for Colin to play, and they just determined shortly before tip-off that it made more sense to hold him out and not push it again.
0: Like you said, an abundance of caution. I mean, that's yeah. that's, kind of, that's been the buzzword of 2020, but also the Cavaliers, right. they've used it for a while, you know?
1: I mean, if a guy is not right, a guy's not right. Sometimes it takes time to recover from injuries. And like I said, there's a difference between being healthy and effective. Um, And sometimes when you're not yourself um, and you're not feeling right, you overcompensate, you could injure something else, you could have a re-injury, you could have a setback. There are a variety of different things that that could come from that. Um, And I think the Cavs obviously want to avoid that, especially with Colin, their leading scorer, one of their most important young pieces who is off to a fantastic start. Like, you think the Cavs like the fact that they can't be with Colin? Like, (laughs) you think they like watching an offense that can't function without the guy? You think Colin likes sitting out these games? No, everybody hates what's going on here. But they're they're not going to sacrifice anything in the big picture for one game against the Memphis Grizzlies, right? Or one game against the Utah Jazz or whoever it may be, especially – in friggin' January, when the season is gonna go um, until April, May, um, and then, especially when you're also in the middle of a stretch of five games and
0: seven nights. Right. Exactly. And I feel like, you know, as much as, <laughs> as much as you know, I, I appreciate the caution and appreciate the um, the fact that they're looking out for these guys. I mean, I think like at the same time, these guys gotta be. The, the front office, everybody in the organization's got to be like, damn, like we want to see, we want to see these guys play together a little bit, like right. we want to see Darius and Colin and Kyle and Isaac play together. We want to see them on the floor with Andre. Of like, course. <laughs> they got to be like scratching at the bit, like j- chomping at the bit to get these guys out there and and together for an extended period of time. And hopefully that'll be, hopefully that'll start maybe even as soon as this weekend. I mean,
1: J. B. Bickerstaff has to be frustrated. He's going into games with everything stacked against him on a nightly basis, it seems like, right? But even him, the ultimate competitor who wants to win these games, who's trying to um, put together a foundation that is going to be lasting and meaningful for this organization, even him, he's not going to push back against the decisions that the organization and the training staff is going to make because he recognizes – um, what goes into making those decisions. So, yeah, he wants Colin back. He wants Darius Garland back. You think he likes starting Damian Dotson at point guard? No. And credit to Damian Dotson, he's done a hell of a job in a really, really tough spot. This is a shooting guard. He's a shooting guard known for scoring, known for defense, known for three-point shooting. He's got to run the team because they have nobody else that can do it. You think J.B. Bickerstaff likes that? No, but he's also not going to force Colin out there on the floor, and he's not going to force Darius out there on the floor because he understands the bigger picture. Um, this season, Hayden, has never solely been about wins and losses. Yes, they want to win. Of course they want to win. Yes, they want to make steps forward as an organization, but but their success was never only going to be defined by wins and losses. Um it's it's always been about the bigger picture with this organization, and they're just not going to sacrifice that for a game at the beginning of January.
0: With all the injuries being kind of that's kind of been the the story thus far in my in my mind for this Cavaliers yeah. team. Just it's been one thing after another: Kevin Love, Isaac Okoro, then all these guys going down. Dylan Windler, obviously the first game of the season, but we cannot we cannot look past one of the biggest and most Incredible changes to this Cavaliers team. You mentioned it earlier. Currently, and we talked about it all offseason, currently, even with all these guys hurt with everything happening, five and seven, the Cavaliers, currently the best defensive team in the NBA. Yep. How crazy is that? Yeah. And here's the team that they're currently tied with, the Los Angeles Lakers. Incredible. Think about that. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah, the talent the talent differential between the Cavs and the Lakers is, I would say, pretty large. And yes. for the Cavaliers to be on the same level defensively, I mean, what for what is the first thing you attribute that to?
1: Playing hard. Yeah, I'll Effort. start there. You know, there were times last year that we watched the Cavs play defense, and it just didn't seem like they gave a damn. Mm-hmm. They were lazy getting back in transition. They were dying on screens. They weren't closing out to shooters. They didn't believe that they could be a good defensive team. And they acted like a group of guys that felt like they had no chance on defense. So they're playing hard, man. Like, Isaac Okoro plays hard. Damian Dotson plays hard. Andre Drummond early on in the season is playing well, and he's playing hard, and Larry Danch Jr. is scrappy, and he plays hard on a nightly basis. So it's it's the effort that they're giving and the commitment that they've made on that end of the floor. Yes, that starts with J.B. Bickerstaff and the message that he sends and them buying into everything that J.B. has preached. Um, at the same time, like we would all admit Hayden, they don't have a lot of quality individual defenders. They don't. (laughs) Larenance Jr. is. Isaac Okoro is going to be. Dante Exum has been. Andre Drummond's been really good. JaVale McGee is an elite rim protector and shot blocker. Um, But, you know, we have questions about Colin Sexton and his ability to defend and Darius Garland and and Jetty Osman and Kevin Love and, and some of these other guys right? So they have to do it as one. They have to do it as a team. They have to make sacrifices sometimes on the offensive end so that they can expend more energy on the defensive end. They have to do the little things that that the best defensive teams do. And they've made that commitment and they play really, really hard. Um, so I think that to me is where it starts. And that's what it takes to overcome some of the limitations that they have on the defensive end of the floor.
0: That, I feel like that's so much a J.B. Bickerstaff culture thing. I mean, I think that's, that's that, that starts with him.
1: I mean, it is. He was saying that at the very beginning of the year, they have to create something similar to what was in Memphis, the grit and grind. And maybe Larry Nance Jr. came up with a different moniker because he tweeted it out after the other game um, when they beat Memphis, and they had no business beating Memphis in Memphis. But they did. Um, Larry Nance Jr. tweeted it out. Heart and hustle. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what defines this group. They're not the most talented team. We understand that. They're the worst offensive team in the NBA, one of the worst that I've seen in a long time. Now, part of that is the guys that they're missing. They're missing, like, 70 points per game a night. Uh, That's tough to overcome. They're playing without a point guard. That's tough to overcome. Nonetheless, it's a wretched offense, and despite that, they, st- despite that, that puts a ton of pressure on the defensive end of the floor, they're still getting it done on the defensive end. So, you know, heart and hustle makes a lot of sense for a team moniker, I think.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, offensively, as you mentioned, yeah, they've just been missing so many guys. And they just, I feel like that comes with rhythm and timing and, like I've always thought that effort, you know, effort was the basis of defense, and then offense is kind of goes with rhythm and everything like that. You know, all those yeah. those um, keywords that you hear all the time: ball movement, um, you know, togetherness, rhythm, all of that. And I just don't think the Cavaliers have had that at the beginning this year. But so, do you expect? I mean, would you expect this team to remain in the top of the defensive rankings? And I don't, I don't foresee them. I mean, maybe maybe if, if these injuries keep up and, you know, they, they continue to kind of try to have to piecemeal this thing together. But I don't think they stay at the top of the defensive rankings and the bottom of the offensive rankings, right?
1: Well, hmm. So there's regression coming on defense. I, I think yes. there's going to be. Yes. Um, this is one of the top teams in the NBA early on. Enforcing turnovers. At one point, they were forcing an opponent's turnover on 20% of the opponent's possession. Mm -hmm. That's, you can't sustain that. Right. As active as Larry Nance Jr. is on defense, the leader in steals in the NBA, it's just tough to sustain that kind of number. And Andre Drummond's really active creating steals and deflections. It's just tough. Regression is going to come, it has to. Um, At the same time, like, I don't know where they're going to plummet to. Like, I've seen enough, I feel like, to see a bought-in defense and a quality enough defense. Right. So even if they're not number one in the NBA when we have this conversation a month from now, don't think it's the kind of group that is going to allow
0: itself to plummet all the way down to 30. Right. No, I don't think. Yeah, definitely not. I don't think 30 is like I just meant maybe towards the middle of I think like I think both offensively and defensively, I think they'll probably be towards more towards the middle of the pack in terms of regression. And uh, and the Cavaliers, you know, obviously the the, what do they call it, the uh, regression to the mean or the, you know, in the case of the Cavs' offense, just going closer or getting better yeah. as the goes on.
1: I mean, I don't know. I go back and forth when it comes to the offense because, yeah. right, on one hand, Collin Sexton's going to be back. Darius Garland's going to be back. Kevin Love eventually is going to be back. Those kinds of things are going to help. There's right. no doubt about that. And I think we saw signs of that in the first three games of the season when they are leading the NBA in assists and they had one of the better offenses in the league. I just, they don't have a lot of good shooters. Right. They don't.
0: Especially with Dylan Windler out.
1: Even Dylan, he's got a reputation as a really good shooter, and that's why he was drafted. We haven't seen it in the NBA, so it's hard for me to bank on that. Like, I think he's going to be a good shooter. I like the fact that he he spaces the floor and he has that reputation. And because of that, it allows the offense to function a different kind of way. Mm -hmm. Um, At the same time, we just haven't seen it enough to be overly reliant on that. Uh, Darius Garland was shooting the ball great at the beginning of the season before injury. Colin Sexton shooting it great before injury. But then after that, Hayden, they're like third leading shooter in terms of three point percentage was JaVale McGee. (laughs) Like, think about that. Yeah. Right, and I know that Kevin can make shots from the outside, and I know he's going to score the ball. But I just think shooting is a problem for this team based on the personnel that they have.
0: Is there any Kevin update? I mean, we're at you know we're probably what two three weeks away or from the injury, maybe less. I mean, it seems like I don't know. This twenty twenty one has been the most. thus far it's just been a i don't even know what day it is i don't know what week it is i don't know what time it is um so we're so kevin suffered the injury on december 27th
1: it was against philadelphia it's been a little over two weeks so at the time they said three to four weeks they're going to err on the side of caution everybody knows that kevin's a little bit older it was a re-aggravation of an injury that he already had. I think that yep. has to factor into the equation. So four weeks from December 27th puts him at the end of January.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I mean, My uh-huh. guess is it probably goes into February a little bit, but everybody recovers
0: a different kind of way. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, then in February we're talking about Kevin Love, and that'll add a, You know, that'll that'll definitely help the offense out. I I would presume just to have a guy who can make shots, but still. Um, yeah, I
1: mean, I just don't know what the ceiling is for the offense,
0: to be honest right. with you. Right. Um, well, I mean, with this, I mean, we're looking at. I'm looking at the schedule ahead, and you got games upcoming against the Knicks. Wizards, Wizards, Nets, Nets, Celtics. You got a tough, or not a tough stretch. A couple tough games there. You got a back-to-back with the Celtics away, and then the next night the Lakers come to town. Um, you know, you were predicting somewhere between I think 23 wins, and the Cavaliers got five early ones. Um, they're only 12 games in. I mean, you know, we I think we're just at the point now with all these injuries that like we can't really project too far into the future because. Right. We don't know where these injuries are. So, like, what is like, what is kind of the the vibe right now? I mean, what is the vibe around the team uh, where from where you're standing?
1: So I asked that question in post game to everybody that spoke post game, including J B Bickerstaff, and I phrased it like this: I was like, "Yes, you guys have taken the next man up mentality. Yes, you understand that injuries are a part of the NBA, but you're human and you have emotions. And how difficult is it to stay bought in and believe?" When none of what you're doing is getting the results that you guys would want, mm-hmm. and JB Biggerstaff said something along the lines of, "It's small victories that we have to search for right now." Mm-hmm. And yes, as much as um, they can sit there and say we have enough to compete, like at some point you don't have enough to compete. That's just the honest truth. Um. So for them, I think, yeah, they're down because they're losing these games, but I think there's a recognition from everybody inside the organization of why they're losing these games. Yeah. It's not because they're not playing hard enough. It's not because they hate each other. It's not because they're pushing back against the head coach. It's not because of any of the things that you would think from a dysfunctional organization, right? Mm -hmm. It's There is a built-in excuse, and I don't even think excuse is the right word. There is a built-in explanation of they don't have enough talent to compete right now. And it's not because the the front office did a horrible job of giving them talent. It's because their most talented and most important people are watching from the sidelines. And the timing of all these injuries, they've all happened at the same time. And... There's just no way that they're going to compete in this kind of state. And I think there's not an acceptance of it, but I think there's a recognition of that's their why right now. Why are we losing games? Because we don't have enough to
0: win them. You know what's funny is that the Cavaliers, I mean, (laughs) compared to the rest of the NBA, it seems, and from what I'm reading on Twitter lately uh, with, James Harden and uh, Kyrie Irving. I mean, yeah. it just seems like the Cavaliers, they kind of deserve to be in a better place because they're not half as dysfunctional as half of these other organizations. And yet the NBA is just such a talent, you know, it's a talent first league. Um, those those are the teams that are going to win. And the other thing that JB said, Hayden, I think is
1: really important in all of this is that the guys are bought in and they're not hanging their heads. So again, I think that speaks to the recognition of the situation that they're in. Mm -hmm. And the situation is causing the losing. The situation is keeping them from scoring 100 points a night, right? The situation is what led to a 30-point loss against the Utah Jazz. So them being bought in and not being down in the dumps and not hanging their head and still trying to go out there and compete and fight and do the right things at both ends of the floor, play the game the right way, Like that's the most important. That's going to be lasting. Those are the things that J.B. Bickerstaff and his coaches, they have to focus on right now. And as long as the group is still bought into that, there is a belief that when you add the bodies back and you put the talent back on the court, that the Cavs are going to be Better equipped to win games, and they're going to be uh, better equipped to pick up where they left off before the injuries derailed their great start.
0: It does. It does uh, speak to maturation. It speaks to growth. It speaks Mm -hmm. to all that that they're able to do that. Because I think in the past we've seen you know the opposite. Very much. We
1: have seen the opposite. I think part of that has to do with the fact of no. In past years, you didn't know why you were bad. Does that make sense? Yep. Or maybe you knew why you were bad and you didn't want to admit it. Right. Like, the Cavs saw success early <laughs> on in the season playing the way that they needed to play, playing the way that J.B. Bickerstaff had preached. And the only thing that has changed from that 3-0 and start—well, not the only thing, but the biggest thing that has changed since that 3-0 and start and to where they are right now, 5-7, and is that they lost Kevin Love and Dante Exum, and Dylan Windler, and Colin Sexton, and Darius Garland, and the list goes on and on and on. Yeah. Yeah, that
0: makes sense. So
1: the belief is, like, I think in in past years, it was like, it doesn't matter what we do, we suck. Right. Right. Right now, it's, yes, we suck right now, and we're not playing very well. But there are reasons behind that beyond our control, and when we have our pieces, we can be a competitive,
0: quality team. Right. I think that uh, with all, like all this, all the all the team stuff, I understand. Like, yeah, I think it's a great thing that there, there's growth and maturation. But I, I honestly just feel, first of all, I feel bad for the Cavaliers because currently they're having issues with injuries and whatnot. I also feel bad, and this is completely out of their control. But and maybe this is bad that I'm going to ask this question. Maybe you can maybe you can answer me and, and berate me for this question. Oh boy, you can. It's it's not going to be a fun question, and and it's not fair. It's not fair at all. But like with with the lack of fans and attendance at the games, and the Browns doing what they're doing and kind of taking this town by storm. I mean, it's also got to be like, not as like it's I feel like the the Cavs just they they don't really have an eye. Like no, they don't have a they don't have an audience right now, and like I feel like that can. While well, yes, they're certainly in, you know, they're certainly worried about themselves and worried about getting better inside the building. Like that can't be fun for them to just kind of be like, oh well, no one really cares right now. And I mean, is that fair to say that that that, that maybe at this point, I mean, there's just not a lot of um interest in in I this disagree. Cavaliers team just with everything going on i
1: strongly disagree okay like
0: there's that's not
1: what i said you much, me okay so there's not as much interest over the last week because why sure. would you watch a team that doesn't have some of their most important players sure right but before that there was tons of interest in the Cavs mm-hmm. we see the numbers on a daily basis on cleveland.com we okay. do And there was, I don't remember which day it was, Hayden, but it was a day that is Browns Day. Really? A lot of days are Browns Days Mm -hmm. on Cleveland.com. We understand that. They drive everything. And and they should. They're in the playoffs. They just beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a Browns town. It is tough for any Cavs story or Indian story to top a Browns story that's just the reality of the situation. You see the numbers, I see the numbers. Yep. There was a day, I don't remember when it was, that my story was the number one post on the site. Really? It was a Cavs story. Which one? I don't remember which one. And I'm trying to find it right now and I'm not able to find it. Okay. Um, And then there was another day where it was Browns Day that it was Browns, 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 Browns. And then there was a Cavs one the only one that cracked like the top twenty. So, on top of that, in the middle of a pandemic, last night the Cavs had around two thousand people at Rock and Mortgage Fieldhouse mm-hmm. for the second game of a back-to-back against the Utah Jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, there absolutely was interest in this team before all of the injuries started piling up. Okay, and I think when um. A lot of these guys get healthy again and the Cavs start playing better basketball and they're equipped to play better basketball that there's going to be interest again in this team, because I think there's something to be said about growing alongside a young team. If you feel like that young team has hope for the future.
0: Now, sure. okay, well, that's I mean that you kind of got what I was getting at with the players. I just meant like at the current moment. At the
1: current moment, no, like, I barely like watching them. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, J.B. Bickerstaff doesn't like watching them. He can't. You know, assistant uh, general manager Mike Ganzi doesn't like watching this. General (laughs) manager Kobe Altman doesn't like watching this. So I don't
0: blame people right now. It's that's that's now. I said I felt bad because with all the injuries and everything, like, it's just got to be brutal on every, like, at this current, like, I'm just talking about this week. Well, yeah. This week, in the darkest
1: moment of the team so far this year, people aren't as interested. Newsflash.
0: Right. Well, yeah. No, I know. I know. that. But that's what I was getting at. It's just like I feel bad for – I mean, you know, just with that – like, literally, it feels like the last week has just been like, oh, the Cavs are playing. Like, And, you know, I mean, for us it's a little different because, you know, that's our job and especially your job. But, like, for normal for, – for for everyday Cleveland sports fans, um, they're probably like, you know, oh, well, you know, who said what on the Browns today? What did Juju Smith-Schuster say today? And then, you know, then they get home from work and, like, oh, the Cavs are playing tonight. Forgot. Like, right. and then they'll watch a quarter – they'll watch a quarter, and then it's like, oh, where's Darius Garland? Where's Colin Sexton? Oh, those guys aren't playing? Oh, all right. Well, then, like, you know, I just feel bad. I think it's a horrible thing, this situation.
1: Right, but there's, like, another thing in play here – and. Everything always requires perspective, right? Right. So right now, in, in this analogy that you're making, you're comparing the Cleveland Browns in the postseason for the first time since I was in college.
0: I'm not. Comp- I'm not. Compa- I'm not comparing them. Yes, you are. How could I? That's how what you're that talking even, about. How is that even comparable? <laughs> That's what you
1: are talking about. You're I'm saying just, that no, people I'm are paying like, more attention to what Juju Smith-Schuster is saying, and and what the Browns are doing. Of course, they are. I am saying of
0: the timing of it. My point was that it must, it can't be easy for the players and the coaches and everybody involved to have that going on while you're having this dark, dark week of injuries and whatnot. That's what I'm saying. Like it's just got to be, it's got to be, you know, nightmarish for them.
1: I mean. I think there's a reality of the difference. Yeah. That's what I would say. Everything that the Cavs have have talked about over the last couple of years, everything that they continue to preach, Hayden, whether it's in the draft, whether it's in free agency, whether it's in team building or games, it is stressing and focusing on the controllables. Yep. They can't control injuries. Nope. Right? They can't control where they fall in the draft lottery. They yeah. can't control the players that are willing to sign with them in free agency. They, they can't control what the Browns do. They can't yeah. control what the Indians do. They yeah. can't control any of that. Yeah. So they don't focus on it. What they focus on are the things that they can control. You know, the scouting process in the NBA draft, uh, the work that they do behind the scenes in free agency. Uh, the competitiveness that they're trying to play with on a nightly basis and the selflessness that they're trying to play with on a nightly basis. Um, those are the things that they continue to focus on. And as long as those things are good, um, I think they're fine with the results. Like, of course they want to win more, right? They don't want to be five right. and seven right now. They didn't want to start three and O oh, then lose five of, of the previous six and then three in a row. Like, Obviously, that's that's not what they were hoping for. That's not what they wanted. Um, but if you're looking for small victories, which is kind of what J.B. Bickerstaff said, and if you're an organization that has been forced to reset expectations because of the circumstances that you're currently in that you can't control, if, if that's the focus here, I think there are enough small victories with this organization Um where you can still look at the start of the season as being a success to this point. Did you oh, think I they think were it, going to I have the it. number
0: one defense in the NBA at this point? I didn't. I I think it has been a success. Yeah, absolutely. I would. I'm not arguing that at all. I think absolutely. When you look at you know five and seven and and with all the injuries they've had, I'm just saying that you know for as as much as well as everything else is going within their organization, which I believe, I think I think they have the right head coach in place. I think they're playing hard. I think they have the right group of guys that um, have bought in. I think that the front office has done a good job, given all the, you know, the hoops that they've had to jump through and the bad positioning in the in the NBA draft lottery. I think all that's been amazing, um, you know, for what this organization came from after LeBron. But then, again, I feel like they, they deserve some better injury luck, is I guess what I'm saying. They deserve some better, <laughs> deserve some better news and some better, you know, some, some time to see this team really grow instead of, oh, well, Colin Sexton's got an ankle. So, and you
1: know what? That's something that I've thought about a lot. Yeah. That is something that I've thought about a lot, too. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, oftentimes in sports, we attach the deserving thing to teams willy-nilly. Yes. Um, but – given everything that this organization had been through the last two years and everybody leaving them for dead at the beginning of the season, I think it would have been nice for them um, to see what they could be first. Yeah. Right. And build some positive momentum first before everything got derailed. Yeah. And it would have been really, really interesting to me To see if they could have followed through on the fast start once Mm -hmm. the schedule got tougher, they went on the road, like all those different things. I do think there is a level of this group, given how they played at the beginning of the season and everything else that was working against them. This group deserved a chance uh, to carry over what they started in the first three games and they didn't get that chance. Exactly. So, I agree that that is frustrating for them. Exactly. And it should be
0: frustrating for them. Exactly. So, at this point, as the Cavaliers are, we are, everybody is, we're just waiting. We're waiting on Colin Sexton, on Darius Garland, um, and these guys to just get healthy. And I think. Uh, it's it's unfor- it's the unfortunate reality it's just i mean this team you know we've talked we talked about it all off season you know how can this team improve well it's about internal improvement and it's about you know the growth of Darius Garland Colin Sexton Isaiah yep. Clark like these young kids it's about how they're going to grow and you can't see how they're growing if they're injured so it's yep. uh I think that's what makes this team interesting and yeah I, I, I completely agree with you when they're healthy and they're young and they're you know they're they're showing signs of life I think it's a lot of fun to watch and it's and it is interesting and people will care but I think it just coincides with a, you know these injuries have coincided with a really you know with a really good time in another organization and as you said you know the controllables they're controlling but the uncontrollables are out of control right
1: now <laughs> yes. Very much so out of control. I was actually talking to somebody inside the organization last week, and it was in the aftermath of me writing a story about how the injuries derailed their their promising start, because that's what it was. Like, nothing else derailed that promising start except for a bunch of injuries at the wrong time. That's how I felt at the time. Yeah. And somebody from the organization called me and, and said, I think you're spot on on the assessment. And we just kind of, like, talked through it. And after talking through it for, like, 20 minutes, me explaining my side, them explaining their side, um, the person from the organization said, I feel worse after talking to you. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) Because all of the things that I kept bringing up like Dylan being out and how much it sucks for Dylan because of everything he had to fight through to get to this point and Colin Sexton being off to one of the best starts that we've seen from a Cavaliers player in Cavs franchise history and not being able to see that through and build on that and all those different things. He was like, Chris, everything that you're saying right now is just depressing me more. So I need to
0: get off the phone. (laughs) Well, that might be our cue too. (laughs) I mean, I think so. Because, Now, next week, so... Because, like,
1: what are you supposed to say, Hayden? Like, what am I supposed to write? You tell me.
0: I'm with you. I I feel
1: like my gamer last night was the same gamer that I wrote over the weekend. I mean,
0: it is what it is. What are
1: they supposed to do? These guys are human. They know what they're up against on a nightly basis with all these injuries.
0: They know that they can't win. Wait. (laughs) The articles should just be... Your articles... (laughs) Your gamers should just say, listen, Cavaliers still dealing with injuries. Come back next time. <laughs> <laughs> Cavaliers still don't have Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, come back next time.
1: That would be amazing. I wonder if I could get away with that.
0: Yeah. I mean, you could write like you could write like, you know, you could write like an all- different pieces about like the how they're returning from injury, or what or how they're feeling and how what the coaches are feeling. But like for the gamer, I think it's just be like, didn't happen for them tonight. Come back next time when they're healthy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I was talking to a coach um yesterday,
1: and he was joking with me. He was like, "You know what, Chris? I think I need to bring Sage to the practice court into oh, the right. arena and be all like Kyrie Irving and Sage all the bad juju away from this organization.
0: Like, well, I don't know if I don't know if Kyrie Sage worked very well." <laughs>
1: Didn't it work well that night? And that's about it, maybe. That
0: was about it. After that, he needs to like keep sage on him at all times because, right. as of right now, things are uh, things are messy with the uh, yeah. with Mr. Irving, and hopefully he's uh, doing okay and his family's doing okay. I don't know what the Bro- I don't know what the Brooklyn Nets are gonna do. Brooklyn Nets come to Cleveland here shortly. Um, yeah, in a they couple do. Of days. They they have a back to back in Cleveland. Um, yeah, I
1: mean, I think Kyrie wasn't going to be the 22nd,
0: there. I about a week from today. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. I don't, I, I'm assuming that Kyrie won't play in those games. I don't know. Hayden, he wasn't going to play before his personal
1: stuff. Right. We knew that. The last time he came to Cleveland was opening night. His first ever game is a Boston Celtic. He couldn't miss that one.
0: But since then, he has not played. He has not played in Cleveland and may never play in Cleveland again. We don't know. But the point being is that um, maybe – I thought maybe without the fans he would play. Hmm, interesting. You know? Yeah. And, like, because, like, not a ton of people from the organization were still there. I mean, I guess there – I mean, there are a lot of – but, you know, different coach and different – mostly different players
1: yeah.
0: at this point. I don't know. But they actually have – so that's crazy. This is, a, this is a result of a weird year. The Cavaliers actually have – so they have a back-to-back with Washington where they're playing Washington twice in Washington back-to-back days. And then they have a back-to-back with the Nets where they play at home twice, but they have a Wednesday-Friday matchup with the Nets. So that's four games in five five days with – or six days. Chris, math is not allowed on this podcast. (laughs) Um, uh, Whatever, four games within five to six days – and two back-to-backs against two of the same teams, both uh, in different arenas. So that's interesting. That's, that's something we don't see a lot of. And then the Cavs go to Boston, and then LeBron LeBronico the coming to town, January twenty-fifth. That should be interesting.
1: By the way, just because it's LeBron. saying all those things that you just said about the tightness of the schedule, yeah. And people are sitting here dumbfounded over the injuries that the Cavs are facing right now. Oh like, yeah. Oh, hello. Yeah. Yeah. 9 months off. Short ramp up time. Restricted off season. Yeah. Restricted training camp. Tighter schedule to try and fit all the games in. When you have one injury, two injuries, three injuries, all of a sudden you're asking other guys to pick up more of the load and you're putting more on those guys. Suddenly they go from 34 minutes to 38, 40, 41, 44, whatever the case may be. Like there is an easy explanation for this. Yeah. It's staring you in the face. Yeah. You don't need to come up with conspiracy theories.
0: Of all the it's of all the really
1: easy to explain. Yeah.
0: Of all the difficulties that have been associated with the injuries, I think the easiest thing is to say why. Yes, oh, obviously. God, the, yeah. the shortened short off season in the yeah. Oh, of course. But it's funny, I mean No, I guess there are other teams dealing with it for sure. Everybody's dealing with it. Yeah.
1: Holy moly. Yeah. I mean,
0: we're just more, we're just closer. So we see it more here. But yeah, yeah, of
1: course. I I think last night, Hayden, the Indiana Pacers played without seven guys, and maybe one of them was COVID related. So they're dealing with injuries. I was looking at yesterday's injury report. And there were about a hundred players on it, and yeah. that only covered nine games. Yeah, think about that.
0: Well, yeah, Well, let's hope again the Cavaliers really haven't had much in the way of, as much as they've been dealing with injury, they haven't had much in the way of uh, COVID issues thus far. So hopefully that continues to be the case because that's you know that adds a whole another level to this, and uh, you know hopefully they can continue to stay safe. That's huge, 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 huge. Um, Chris, if you don't, if you have anything else to add, add it or else we're going to get out of here, and we will be back with you next week.
1: I don't know what else to say at this point.
0: <laughs> Just get uh, off, I mean, Cavaliers, I mean, bring I, some sage to the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse and to the Independence, and and sage it out, get them healthy, and, uh, and they'll be ready to rock and roll.
1: Yeah. Okay, I have one more thing to say. Okay. So the other reason why the injuries are impacting the Cavs more than maybe some of these other teams, because, like, some people may say, well, you know, Philadelphia was missing blah, 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 and Miami was missing blah, 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 and Indiana was missing blah, 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 blah. Like, yes, that's true. Like, the other truth in all of this is that some teams from the very beginning, Hain, are better equipped to handle injuries than others. We can admit that, Right. Like, yep. when Andre Drummond is missing from the Cavs, that is almost a death knell, Yeah. right? But when, like, Victor Oladipo is missing from the Indiana Pacers, they still have Sabonis, Brogdon, Turner, you know what I mean? So that loss, which is very significant... Um, is not felt as much by better teams. Like, I think that goes without saying, and it's probably, like, people sitting here saying, no, duh, Chris, you made me stay on this podcast for that. But, <laughs> but I think people are overlooking that with the Cavs. Like, right. a loss of Colin Sexton is for this team, and given what they have to turn to in that loss, is crushing.
0: Yep. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly, pressure. so
1: that's all I wanted to say. All
0: right.
1: Some teams are better equipped to handle injuries than others.
0: Cavaliers not being one of those teams, unfortunately.
1: No, no, not at all. All right. And even all right. in all of that, they've been relatively competitive in a lot of these games, which is yeah, just like absolutely
0: said, we've stunning. Both, we've both said this has been a successful start, absolutely. Even if five, so. and seven. even at five and seven, I I still think so. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. All right, well, by the time we talk next, which will be next week, hopefully this Cavaliers team is more healthy. Hopefully, Callan Sexton and Darius Garland will be back. Hopefully, I'm, I'm sure Andre Drummond will be back. Um, and, uh, Don't say Kemp, sure I'm with not. injuries. Say it again? I said never say sure with injuries. That's true. That's true. All right, bring the Sage next time you go to the arena, and, uh, and the Cavaliers will do the same in, uh, in Independence. Sound good? There you go. There All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. We appreciate you joining us. Be sure to sign up for Chris's subtext. Again, you get insider analysis and text from Chris himself. Uh, He will be sent straight to your phone. You can sign up at the link below. You will see it. You just have to enter your uh, phone number. You will be signed up. 14-day free trial, $3.99 a month. Chris will be texting you stuff from the from what he hears from the organization, which right now is just a lot about getting healthy. Uh, but it, it is a valuable tool. It is awesome to have Chris's insight and um, analysis given right to your phone. So definitely sign up for the Cavalier subtext from Chris Fedor as soon as you can. In the meantime, have a beautiful week. Have a beautiful weekend, and we will talk to you next week. Take care, everybody.